Right, welcome back to another episode of the Power Sports Memorabilia Show. I am your host, Matt Powers. Thank you again for joining me. Please visit the website, powersportsmemorabilia.com. Also, give me a follow over there on Instagram, at Powers Autographs. Well, what does the sports card hobby look like in 10 years? Now, today I'm going to attempt to look into my crystal ball and try to imagine what the sports card hobby is going to look like in the next decade. One thing is for sure, it will look nothing like it does here in 2021. Seems like every day PSA is buying another company or a new grading card company is starting. Uh, There will be four areas that we will discuss today, all right? Uh, Number one will be the uh, grading card companies. Number two, the cards themselves. Uh, Three, the trading card companies. And then four, uh, the marketplaces such as eBay. Now, these are just my own thoughts to have some fun kind of debating what the hobby might look like in the near future. Now, you might say some of these will never happen, but I mean, at one time we didn't think we were going to go to the moon and apparently we've been to the moon. So uh, anything is possible. Now, stick with me. This might be a little bit longer video than normal, but I had some fun kind of brainstorming some of these ideas. So let's go ahead and get started. Number one, the grading card companies. Now, this is one area of the uh, card industry that is going to see a rapid, rapid change. Uh, We've already seen it with PSA buying uh, Genement, which is the grading software company they just recently purchased. Uh, Here's how I see grading uh, looking like in the near future. Uh, Human graders at the big companies such as PSA are pretty much out. They're gone. Uh, everything is going to be done via AI software. I mean, it's the only way to really scale a grading uh, card grading business to its potential. Now, human graders will still have kind of a, a small role to play to double check what the software says. You know, make sure the label is correct. You know, basically quality control work. Uh, because of this, I see PSA's turnaround times actually getting a little bit faster with more and with more accurate grading. PSA will gain increasing market share and be grading 90 plus percent of all the cards on the market. Uh, Collectors will use PSA because their software will give them the most accurate grade possible. And PSA has branded itself as the leader in sports card grading. Really pretty much anything graded now, PSA is branding itself around that. Uh, I also see PSA having an app on your phone where you can pre-grade your cards for, uh, for a fee. Now, the app will grade your corners, your edges, uh, centering, and surface, and will kind of give you an estimated grade. Now, although the surface may be tricky, it's all going to depend on how good uh, the camera is on your phone in the next uh, 10 years, but potentially maybe even having like kiosks machines at your local sports card shop where you can pre-grade your cards at your local card shop. I mean, that would be absolutely epic being able to walk in there open a box of cards, and then be able to pre-screen your cards before you send them off for grading. And then after scanning your cards, you can then choose which ones you want to go ahead and submit to PSA. PSA will auto-populate their submission form for you and send a copy of that right to your phone or email. So no more filling out endless forms and paperwork. Oh man, that is just the worst part about grading cards is the paperwork. Now once graded, PSA will also give you an option to have them scan and sell your cards for you directly on eBay or PSA may even have their own marketplace. 
Now, PSA will ship your cards for you once they sell, and of course, they will charge you a fee for this service. So look at PSA as you know, your grading card company and then also your fulfillment house to be able to sell your cards. Now, now, basically, once you send PSA your cards, you would have the option to basically never see them again, which is actually kind of interesting if you're into the card flipping game. Now, in order to help avoid a conflict of interest, since PSA would be grading the cards and more likely to give a higher grade if they knew they were going to be selling it for you, uh, you only tell PSA to sell your cards after seeing your grades. Now, I also see PSA opening up an office in China. Now, I, I know this is a big stretch right now, okay? But you got to think boldly about it being the card industry. I mean, PSA is obviously, you know, they're thinking 10, 20, 30 years down the road with all these purchases they've been making. So in the next 10 years, China is set to become the world's largest economy, okay? It's on track for that. It's definitely happening. And basketball is a huge sport in China. Uh, millions of fans of Kobe, Jordan, and LeBron James live there. I mean, this, this is the place for the NBA right here. Now, as the basketball card market continues to grow and arguably becomes, you know, the number one sport collected in trading card, uh, collectors in China are going to want to get their cards graded. You know, and shipping them back and forth to PSA in California, you know, it adds tremendous cost, but also the fear of, you know, losing your cards in shipment or, you know, customs, you know, holding on to them forever. Um, so since, you know, hopefully in the next 10 years, you know, PSA becomes mainly software-based grading company, uh, it's going to become easier for them to open up offices in other parts of the world and also, uh, you know, not having to rely on those human graders. So, uh, you know, it's not going to take them as long to train people. They can just base it off of the software. So removing that training there is going to allow them to open up a whole bunch of different offices all over the world. You know, Canada, Europe, and also Australia will be prime candidates for future offices. You know, I really think that the first grading company to get their foot into uh, into China wins big. Uh, CCG, which is the parent company of CSG, does currently have an office in China, though I'm not sure what the extent of grading that they do there, but I'm, I'm very curious to see how... Uh, this plays out in the marketplace. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even be surprised to see a brand new grading card company just pop up in China that really just serves only the Chinese collectors. You know, marketing really matters when it comes to grading. And that's why everybody uses PSA. They, they, they get the highest value for their cards. You know, if a Chinese company can build out their own AI software for uh, grading and gain the trust of collectors in China and, and in the world, uh, you could see a solid competitor to PSA. You know, China pretty much has, you know, endless resources at this point, it seems like. And China has one-fifth of the world's population. Think about that. One in five people live in China. So I wouldn't overlook them on anything. And let's talk about Beckett for a minute. I haven't mentioned them uh, in this video yet and really haven't talked too much about them on the show you know, recently we've seen PSA and also CSG get bought out by some, you know, big time investors in that space. Will we see something uh, like that happen to Beckett? And you know, I don't know why I have this feeling, but I just feel like Beckett is kind of getting left behind about in, in the card grading industry. You don't really hear too much about them, you know, making moves in their business as far as upgrades or getting any, you know, outside investment. You know, at this point, PSA is, you know, pretty much getting close to running away with the uh, sports card uh, 
market share. And definitely uh, overall grading for pretty much anything at this point. I mean, heck, they just recently bought WADA, which is the video card, uh, video game grading company. I mean, the more money that gets pumped into PSA, the more opportunity they have to grow and grow quickly. And I wouldn't be surprised if PSA attempts to take out their biggest competitor and make an offer to buy Beckett. Uh, what Would Beckett sell? I would probably say yes. <laughs> I mean, everything is available for the right price. And I mean, I, I just I just don't see Beckett being very innovative at this point. I think PSA would um, be able to, you know, really take them to the next level if they would even exist after they purchase them, which I would uh, doubt that that would probably happen. But again, I see PSA becoming your one-stop shop for all things graded. Uh, you know, cards, video games, coins, tickets. I mean, anything that can be graded. The whole point is that you send everything. To PSA, and they've got pretty much a monopoly on grading. Now, what about the other car, uh, card grading companies, you know, such as CSG, um, SGC, HGA, for example? You know, will they still be around in 10 years? Uh, you know, absolutely. I, I think as long as the sports card hobby continues to grow, <clears throat> and, uh, you know, there'll definitely be room for these companies. However, they're going to have to really try to stand out from PSA in order to compete for business. You know, whether that's going to go with the color matching slabs that uh, HGA does or the, uh, you know, cheap bulk rakes that CSG offers, you know, each one is going to have to try and find their own niche, you know, and really control and dominate that area. You know, competing with PSA on an apples to apples business model is going to be quite challenging uh, as they're leading the industry right now is just so massive. All right, number two, the cards. Uh, you know, technology in cards has really grown in the last 20 years from the first refractors to patch cards and acetate cards. You know, in the next 10 years, we could really see some crazy designs come out. You know, one area of the cards I see really being experimented with is the size of them. Now, yes, I, you know, this is almost sacrilegious to adjust the size of a trading card. But I think that's what makes cards like the 1969 Tops so cool is the different size. Uh, DeAndre from the Suns, he just had a uh, just saw a recent card of his that had his huge handprint on it, and it was like a one of five, and he had autographed it. And I thought that was totally unique. I mean, just not for everybody, but very unique card. You know, imagine like a one of five Luca card that had his handprint on it that was also signed. You know, what would that go in comparison to maybe a rookie patch auto card? Be kind of very interesting to see, you know? I mean, as card companies kind of run out of ideas that can kind of fit on a traditional card, it only makes sense to go bigger. You know, I realize, you know, traditionalists may not like these designs, but there will be a good number of collectors that will appreciate these new cards. You know, imagine having a card with James you know, part of a game used LeBron James jersey. So it had his entire last name uh, in the card, like a patch card with that on there. I mean, just absolutely epic. It'd have to be a huge piece, but that would be totally unique. And I do see individual athletes partnering up with traditional uh, trading card companies to kind of make their own personal branded trading cards. You know, developing products centered around an athlete's personal brand is going to be huge in the next coming years, especially since college athletes can now profit off their name, image, and likeness. You know, imagine Luka Doncic, you know, 
let's say for example, he had his own personal branded cards with Panini that he helped design and market on, on Lucas' own website. I mean, just like autographed items can be limited edition print runs, you know, the athlete would make these cards say, you know, limited edition of a hundred or a thousand. I mean, imagine the buzz on a release date for these cards on that athlete's website. I mean, just absolute insane amount of traffic of the hopes of just getting one. You know, these athletes with their social media following, I mean, they can push stuff out there and create increasing buzz. And it's just absolutely incredible the amount of marketing reach that these athletes have. And that's why it's so important for them to build out their personal brand. Uh, you know, NFTs and digital cards are going to be, again, another interesting area to see what happens in the next 10 years. I may be completely wrong on this, um, but I see this market just tanking. I, I, I just I just don't understand it. You know, the only reason I see people buying these is to sell them and make money, not collect them. Again, that's just my own personal opinion on it. You know, when the money from investments dries up in the NFT market, so does the value, in my opinion. I just, I just can't get my mind around to accept that a sports card that you cannot hold in your hand is something that people would want. You know, what changes with a card that you can hold in your hand is a sense of, you know, emotional attachment to that card. You know, it's just something that an NFT just can't offer, in my opinion. Again, I may be completely wrong on this, but, you know, let me know in the comments below. You know, somebody that knows more about an NFT market than I do, Comment below. Let me know what you think about the NFT market in the next 10 years. You know, collaborations are going to be one area where growth in the industry is just going to continue to grow. Uh, we've seen uh, this with the uh, big effort that Topps put into it with their 2020 project. And when they work with mainstream artists, you know, I mean, this will not slow down in any capacity at all. It creates tremendous buzz around multiple genres. I mean, marketing in multiple different areas with one product is just butter. Uh, DJ Ski just recently came out with a design for Ronald Cunha Jr. Outcast Influence card. I mean, that's just a great example of this. Uh, you know, it's just, this is just where the card industry is going. The traditional card of, you know, just a picture of the athlete on there is going to be a staple of the industry. But this artist-related stuff is going to be absolutely epic because it does go across multiple genres. All right, number three, let's talk about the trading card companies. Now, right now, there are two big players, Panini and Topps. Will we see a third company come into the market and challenge these two? You know, you would think over the next 10 years that a company such as, you know, Upper Deck would try and make a push to get back into basketball or the baseball car market. You know, however, you know, Tops and Panini are just light years ahead of them when it comes to technology and also revenue. You know, Tops is the only publicly traded company out of these three, and they had $567 million in sales in 2020. I mean, that's just a massive amount. I don't think Upper Deck has the resources to be able to compete with those two companies. And, and I just don't see uh, MLB, NFL, or NBA moving away from their exclusive licenses to these companies. Uh, you know, from their perspective, it's just way easier to manage one licensee holder and create a consistent product that fans come to expect uh, as opposed to having, you know, multiple licensee holders. You know, as the sports car market expands, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens internationally, right? Soccer cards 
have taken off with Europe and America being both being interested in the cards. I think uh, you know, we will continue to see specific sets made for specific countries, especially after the World Cup, since we have not had a World Cup uh, in soccer since the soccer card explosion. You know, imagine Italy you know, uh, winning the, uh, tw- uh, the World Cup and Panini, who's of course based in Italy, making a World Cup Champions Prism set sold only in Italy. I mean, the buzz around that product would just be absolutely <laughs> insane. But also stiff competition you know, in the resale market. You know, While, yes, Padini is a trading card company, what they really are is a marketing company. I mean, they know how to pump up a market and drive traffic and make sales. I mean, it's just absolutely... The people that do their marketing for them, top-notch, they know exactly what they're doing. They are absolute masterminds of that. you got to give them credit there. But I'm just very curious what's going to happen in China with Panini. Again, I bring up China here again here. Uh, at some point, the market in China, specifically for basketball, is just going to explode. You know, as we all know, China owns the NBA since the majority of the NBA fan base lives there. And while doing business in China as an outsider can be very, very challenging. You know, many have tried because the payoff can be huge. Does Panini start making basketball cards specifically for the Chinese market? You know, could they make cards with their name translated into Chinese characters on them? Uh, you know, those would definitely be interesting to see. I mean, as China becomes the world's you know number one economy within the next ten years, I do see the NBA doing everything they can to be the number one sport in the country, and you know, Panini will want to capitalize off of that with their trading cards. You know, recently, uh, Alex Rodriguez's SPAC uh, slam has been rumored uh, to be in talks about purchasing Panini for like $3 billion. You know, if that were to happen, I can see Panini making a huge, huge play to get that full MLB license to make uh, baseball cards. Right now, they only have the player's license, meaning they can't use the team logos. But if you're A-Rod and you made your living playing the game of baseball... I would imagine he's going to be doing everything in his power to make Panini uh, a fully licensed company for baseball cards. I mean, why else would you buy this company here? Uh, you don't want to be making basketball cards, just only that, if you are a you know well-known top you know 100 baseball player of all time. I could definitely see Panini making a big push to get back into the baseball licensing card market. All right, number four. What will the sports card marketplaces look like in 10 years? Now, I'm a big believer in eBay. I think eBay, uh, I think they sat on their hands idle for many years, not knowing they had a gold mine and a monopoly on the card market. You know, they've now realized that, you know, when you, when you think of buying a sports card, you know, most people think of eBay. You know, we've already started to see them make changes to the return policy, and they're updating their search results right now to help buyers, you know, find the exact item they are looking for much easier. Uh, they're also working on having uh, uh, their website be able to read your card slab and accurately list your product and its title. Uh, they have tremendous infrastructure both on and offline. I mean, that takes years, if not decades, to build out. You know, within the next 10 years, I see eBay making a bigger push to be part of the expensive card market. You know, the ones that everyone currently sends the golden auctions. 
I did hear Ken Golden, who you know who started Golden Auctions, say that eBay had tried to get them on their platform a few times, and it, it just didn't work. I mean, why would you go on eBay when you have your own platform right now? But you know, the issue surrounding high-end cards on eBay has always been you know, getting paid and avoiding returns. I mean, no one wants to sell a $100,000 card and not get paid for it, or even worse, you know, get a return for it in two weeks or whatnot. You know, I see eBay fixing this problem in a couple different ways. Uh, first, you know, just like uh, you know, all the auction sites, you're going to have to get pre-approved to not only sell a high-end car, but also to bid on one. Okay, this makes logical sense. It builds trust in eBay for the buyer and the seller, and eBay could te- even take it a step further. You know, and require you to ship uh, ship them their card. They sell it on your behalf, handle all the payments and all the shipping, all that stuff. No returns, just exactly like Golden Auctions has it. And Golden uh, once stated, I think they said they had about 200,000 emails of all the high-end buyers in the world of sports cards, which is, you know, a pretty impressive and rather large, you know, targeted list. But imagine how many emails eBay has. <laughs> probably, they probably have all of what Golden has of all those collectors and then tens of millions on top of that right now. I mean, eBay currently has 182 million users. Now, imagine paying a fee to have your card emailed out to 1 million sports card collectors. Uh, as mentioned before, you know, I see eBay you know, partnering up with uh, you know, one of the card grading companies uh, to make it seamless to go from getting your cards graded to having them listed on eBay without ever having to get your cards back. PSA makes the most logical sense. You know, they're, they're the biggest card grading company and both them and eBay are located in California. You know, one of the biggest changes I see is Panini and Tops making their own marketplaces where buyers can sell their branded cards. You know, look at it as eBay, but just for Panini or Tops cards. You know, part of the benefit on selling on their platform is you'll be able to get points the more you sell and the more you buy that you can then use towards buying products on the main Panini or Tops website. You know, imagine being able to sell, uh, you know, like your sealed wax or graded cards on Tops or Panini's official marketplace. You know, buying boxes directly off their website on launch day and then immediately offering them for sale on their micro- on their marketplace. And we can't talk about marketplaces without talking about China again. You know, as the hobby, uh, you know, grows and a potential car grading uh, company is created out of China, I see a marketplace being developed there specifically for sports cards and memorabilia. You know, as we've seen with eBay China failing, it's very challenging sometimes for outside companies to come into China and be successful with traditional American marketing and systems. You know, plus having to deal with Big Brother can be just a little too much. Uh, you know, that is why we see the most popular companies in a country are typically started by citizens of that country, but even more so in China. All right, let's touch on ungraded cards for just a second. We all know one of the big issues in the sports card market is finding quality cards to grade. It's almost impossible to tell a card's grade by just looking at a couple scans. I see a company and marketplace being developed that serves the collectors and investors that want to get cards graded but want an honest opinion and score beforehand. You know, the score would be given via AI software and not a human's eye. 
and you would pay a premium for this service, you know, is having a uh, an ungraded card with a score of say 90 to 100 out of 100 would almost guarantee a 10 when grading that card. Now this would be perfect for those who do not grade cards but want to get a premium for their quality cards. You know, companies such as uh, ComC, which stands for CheckOutMyCards.com, would be ideal for this. You know, they already have the infrastructure in place and would just need the software in order to implement it. You know, the big hiccup in this could be any uh, potential patented technology that Genement has, which the company is, uh, you know, you may remember from um, recently with a company that PSA bought to help with their AI grading. So... Lots to cover in today's video. Hopefully you've had some fun watching it and uh, think about the possibilities of the sports card market in the next decade. I'm sure what I touched on today is just 1% of what could possibly happen there, but definitely going to be absolutely insane when it comes to technology and uh, the amount of different types of companies that are going to be around there because I see PSA just taking way off here as they've been buying up all these companies. And it's just going to be interesting who's still around here in about 10 years. But again, comment below. Let me know. What do you see as the big changes in the hobby in the next 10 years? Again, be sure to check out the website, powersportsmobility.com. Also, can be followed over there on Instagram, at Powers Autographs. And I will see you on the next episode.